All right, Veloce, welcome back to Talking Points with me, Tomo, and my second favourite son, Aldas, behind Minton, of course. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everyone who's watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are in the world. Aldas, I know the title and thumbnail will give it away, but what are we talking about today, mate? So we're going to have a bit of a general discussion about Formula One and America going from Cota to potential next tracks and also potentially kind of a brand new team maybe entering as well. So plenty to talk about. The US is definitely in the news in terms of Formula One. So yeah, should be good. Exactly, because historically F1 has gone after the American kind of fan in the past and it hasn't really worked kind of back in the 80s. We were racing in Las Vegas, for example, and that. Detroit as well. Not some of the best tracks, by the way. Pretty rough. Yeah. And, you know, the cars would like melt because we were racing in like the peak of summer. <laughs> I mean, there was this one race. I think it was, I think it might have been in Las Vegas in like 19, uh, 1980 something. And the cars literally melted the track. And this was in qualifying and they had to like cement it overnight to make sure that they could kind of survive. And yeah, it was a disaster. So Formula One, from every angle, has always kind of struggled to break that American boundary. Exactly. But we have been racing in the States for a while now. We've been at Cota for, well, I don't even know how long now. 2012 since first there time. There you go. Knowledge. That's why he's here. Um, and you know what? I mean, we'll talk about that first because obviously that's the upcoming race this weekend. And, and, and Cota as a track, I think, has... You know, for, for me, it's it's especially that kind of first sector. I really love the first sector of Cota. I think I think it's a great circuit. You've got proper uphill. I mean, there's there's track undulation, there's track undulation, which obviously we won't get in Miami, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But what, what do you make of Cota, Aldous? I mean, I've loved it ever since it came on the calendar. Red Bull released yesterday some incredible footage of just before the track was built, David Coulthard going for a little hoon in the, I think it was the RB6 at the time, when it was still a dirt track. There was no tarmac and he was literally like rally driving it. Amazing piece of footage. So definitely go and check that out. And I feel like ever since the track kind of came on the calendar, it's always delivered really good racing. It's always kind of, Lewis Hamilton had some strong years, remember, in the McLaren. And he's always doing quite well around there. And it's just been a track that... It doesn't deliver too many boring races. I mean, of course, mm. we get to tracks maybe like Paul Ricard that we've maybe kind of criticized a little bit, but certainly Austin, it's hit a really good sweet spot and there seems to be good uh, American fans in that kind of part of uh, America as well. So yeah, and again, for this for this weekend, I'm so excited because we've got this Titanic title battle, mm. so much excitement around uh, going to that part of the world. So it's just another one of those little puzzle pieces of the 2021 season. Definitely, because I, I think this is a track where I know Mercedes have done well, but also, Max has done very well himself. Kind of, I, th- I think it was it. I think it was either it was either twenty eighteen or nineteen. He recovered from like fifteenth in qualifying, and that s- controversial twenty seventeen little corner cut against Kimi Raikkonen. Yep, yep, exactly. Which you, oh my god, that was that was gold. That, that post that post race was absolute gold. But and then obviously twenty nineteen, we had Bottas beat Hamilton you know, go for the aggressive move at the end and, and take the win as well. So. I think that was still to this day his strongest ever race because when you look at some of the Bottas wins, it's kind of been, you know, Russia 2020, Hamilton was kind of out of it with a penalty this year as well. Hamilton was kind of out of it with a penalty again. That was a proper, 2019 was his best ever win, I think, mm. uh, in Kota, where he really went up against Lewis and, you know, maybe took the shine a little bit when Lewis won uh, the world championship. Yeah, I'm sure about really, like that. That was good for his ego, I reckon, that yeah. day. And actually, to be fair... You know, since his Alfa Romeo contract's been announced, who scored more points than anyone in the F1 Drivers' Championship? Valtteri Bottas. Exactly. If only he turned up at the beginning of the season. That's all I'm going to say. All he needed was a long-term contract somewhere. <laughs> Not even at Mercedes. He's literally said like he feels like that long-term contract, that because I think 
at Mercedes, it's always been one-year deals, hasn't it? And always, and there's always that pressure. He's, yeah, this has been every single season since he came into the team in 2017. He's always been kind of like chasing the the extension every mm. single year. And maybe that hasn't put him in the best position, but the results speak for themselves. Mercedes have won the championship every single season, but it's been Lewis with the drivers. And so racing at Cota this weekend, who do you think? Max or Lewis? Who, who's going who's gonna to get the dub? Or neither? Neither. Bottas again, I mean... Latifi out of nowhere. Latifi... <laughs> You just had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> um, no, I'm sure Fernando's going to have a great result. Um, but the point is, in terms of the Maybe. championship, I think this should be a track that should suit Mercedes. And I mean, I think Turkey was quite surprised because Red Bull struggled a little bit. So they're a little bit on the back foot. They have to come back. Even though Max does lead the championship now, uh, I think Austin will be a really could be a really big moment for them because then we get to Mexico and Brazil. Those are really Max, mm. uh, Max Verstappen tracks. So I think Lewis should shine in Austin, no doubt about it. But if Red Bull can get a little... Maybe they can get ahead of Lewis. That'll be a massive, massive turning point. Yeah, because I, again, I think Cota's got a really nice balance. It's got, again, big elevation change. It's got tight, slow corners. It's got those kind of S's, like kind of medium speed. It's got some good level straights as well. I think it's got a bit of everything as a track. Um, so I'm very happy to be going back there because, again, we didn't get it last year. But then let's talk about Miami because, of course, there will be two American races on the... Um, on the F1 calendar from next year onwards. And Miami is confirmed around the Hard Rock Stadium. I mean, we've, again, we've had more time to kind of look at, you know, they've released kind of a set of course and mods of showing what the track's going to look like and, you know, building works going in a good direction. And it's a very different, because the, the Austin track, Cota, you know, you've got a lot of series that race there. Um, and it's in a city, obviously, you know, Texas as a state is is incredibly kind of up and coming which helps when you don't have to pay income tax there, I suppose. Um, but talking of Miami, obviously Miami, Hard Rock Stadium, that's more of a kind of cultural kind of epicenter. And it's a very, very different vibe to a track like Kota, right? Exactly. And even just the tracks themselves, let's not forget that Kota was built from the ground up, mm. literally from the, from the desert. If anything, the Hard Rock Stadium is going to be a bit more kind of it's been kind of Frankensteined out of the uh, out of the car park, but you never know. I'm sure it's going to go well. Uh, I'm someone who, and again, we talked about this when we talked about Qatar and Saudi Arabia. I give all tracks a chance. I'm not kind of too, I'm not too frustrated about it. In fact, I'm I'm so excited for Miami next year. I'm genuinely thinking of going. By the way, genuinely thinking because it just looks. Could you imagine my Fernando Alonso shirt in Miami? Oh, I mean, it just I could picture it would that. work That's easy. perfectly. But <laughs> yeah, certainly for that kind of environment, I feel like it is a really good vibe, isn't it? For Formula yeah. One to be in Miami, I think it's the perfect place. Obviously, a mass amount of tourism there as well, so that could help. And I feel like. It's going to be a big one for Formula One because, again, they've they've committed a lot of time to America, mm. but maybe even some more tracks, which we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I'm very excited. I feel like the 2022 season has so much kind of about it with the new regulations, so many new tracks, the calendar now kind of getting finalized as well. And Miami is just another one of those really big kind of moments, I think, in the season in terms of mm -hmm. is it going to work? Is it going to not work? How How is America going to react in Miami to Formula mm. One? So, yeah, there's a lot about it and I'm excited. Yeah, because I, again, I think I think commercially, you know, it would. It's kind of like it's it's like the age old kind of traditional track versus street circuit. So you look at a track like Silverstone, a track like Spa. These are historical circuits, but also, but also they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you're not gonna kind of stumble across these tracks. Whereas when you go to street circuits, when you bring the racing to the people, and we see this, this is obviously the the. Typically, the yeah, apart from um, at, at Berlin, most Formula E races are raced in cities, and that does attract more fans. And obviously, again, commercially, 
this it's huge because you look at how Netflix has made a, a massive difference to to the amount of Americans watching, not just Americans, but that is a huge segment. And I know speaking for us too, for our personal channels, I mean, my UK audience is about twenty percent, and my US is about fifteen. So mine, and I was absolutely stunned by this. My biggest audience of about twenty three percent is America, even bigger than the United Kingdom. Which is just crazy, and you I need feel to work like, on your American accent, mate. Exactly, I need, I do, I do. I mean, well, I've got Go this on, kind it. of quintessential it. British accent. I'm not going to do it. Wait, I'm wait, not going to do it <laughs> at the end. Maybe stay, stay tuned till the end, and Get then the I'll do it. You got to stay tuned, exactly. Um, but yeah, one thing also about Miami is that there was a lot of hurdles to get it there because there was mm. a lot of kind of. I was about to say council. I'm not sure if it's kind of the same in America. Equivalent, but yeah. Exactly. They weren't exactly too happy about loud Formula One cars invading their community. Mm. So there's been a lot of kind of environmental hurdles as well. How are they going to react to it? We know there's so much stuff going on uh, like that in the world. So yeah, there's, I'm just so excited for it because it could it could be either a massive, massive success, success and stay on the calendar for a long time or might be a bit of a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, I, I think as well, like um, you Americans out there watching, you know how to put on a show. Okay, that's that's one thing that the, the code Americans... to entrance in 2017. Exactly, oh my God, brilliant. Exactly. No, and we know how much. I mean, we know how much Daniel Ricciardo loves his. I mean, to be fair, he he loves the handlebar moustache for uh, for Cota because it's Texas. But then I guess Florida is a bit more like it's a different vibe, and that's an important point as well because you know. There's so many countries we talk about kind of South Africa that like, there's no African Grand Prix at all. There's, you know, tracks like Malaysia, that's like a There's, there's so many circuits that we'd love to go to that we don't. And when you're seeing that there's two races in, in one country, potentially three, should there be more than one? Now I'd argue that you have to kind of treat the U S a bit more like a, a continent yes. because when you look at the size of it and also the the variety of, of culture when you go from like new york to, to to la to miami to texas you know i i think i think it is justifiable to have more than one race in the states but i know that is a bit of a sticking subject for some people yeah again you you absolutely hit the nail on the head there because when you think about the size of america i don't think people actually realize but it's about the same size as central europe like we're talking from like spain to russia like that's mm. how big america is it's crazy so yeah well, you have to treat it in a different way it's not just it's you know that's why there is so much space and also so much variety in the regions like you said so i definitely wouldn't mind seeing another race in america but for me it's got to be worth it like the right track the right kind of environment formula one has been trying to get into somewhere like new york for a long time i remember new jersey i remember in like 2012 2013 mm. that was spoken about for so long and it never quite happened so yeah. i wouldn't mind another race in the u.s but it's got to be the right one and it's got to be something different from both kota and then miami and also kind of different to, to montreal as well because i know canada is a different country don't worry i'm very aware of that <laughs> but at the same time kind of when you're looking at the region and again i i think Montreal gives us something very different to Cota, which will give us something different to Miami. And then if we are talking about a third race, and obviously we mentioned Vegas at the start of the video, and there's been a lot of, you know, and there's always been rumors around um, Vegas, Formula One. That's kind of, that's that's existed for a very, very long time. But those rumors seem particularly, I don't know Stefano Domenicali, he's not written off a third race in the US. And would a return to Vegas be the right choice for you? I'm not sure to be honest. I've got I've got my doubts about a race in Las Vegas because again, it's got to be it's got to be worth it. it can't just yeah. be let, let, let's think of a really uh, big city in America. Oh yeah, Las Vegas. Let's race there. Like it's <laughs> got to be actually worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's been problems in the past again, going back to like the 80s racing there, and so again, even laws in Nevada that kind of make it tricky. But 
Again, I'd like to see it. It depends where it is, though, because you can't race through the center of it, obviously. Like, you can't put Formula One like, They want right to race there. down the strip. How are you going to do that, though? I mean, you're just going to lock down the city. Like, there you go. Get the locals on your side by locking down the entire city. So. F1 drag race up and down the strip. That exactly. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a little bit more hesitant on the whole Las Vegas thing. I'd love to see it, but cautious But, but about I that. suppose as well, like, because... I do think personally that a third race in the US would be difficult to justify given the fact that, again, we're, we're not ra- racing in, in Africa at all. We're not racing in, in, in Sepang, which for me is, is a no-brainer. We're not even racing in a country like Germany, which has massive, you know, so many great tracks and a lot of pedigree. Um, Bring back Hockenheim. That's all I'm saying. I agree. Hockenheim over Nürburgring, personally. but um, Either of them. I love both. They are, they are both great. But also, like, again, if we are going to race in the US, then... What other tracks are there? Because, I mean, there's a lot of circuits. For me, for me, Road Atlanta, I think, yeah. I think over Road America, I think. Because there's certain tracks like C- Sebring's great, but Quite you can't race them, F1 there. Yeah, and it's the same with, uh, what is it, Laguna Seca as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see a Formula 1 car go down the corkscrew with like that level of, uh, Look, that level of suspension. Roman Grosjean in an IndyCar. Sending the dive exactly, bomb. Exactly. The, the, the Formula One boy. I mean, he was showing he was showing the uh, the Americans how it's done. But yeah, that's the problem. Some of the tracks are more like endurance tracks. They perhaps aren't up to the standard of the uh, FIA. So mm. yeah, it's an interesting one. But I definitely actually think that if we are going to have another race in America, I would actually say that it might have to be on an already existing track. I'm yeah. not sure if they could build another track, especially if we're talking about, you know, Las Vegas or something. Mm. So I'm sure there's plenty of tracks in Nevada. Go so on, give me a track out, Dust. Come on. I said no right idea. Atlanta. Oh. No what, idea, mate. Absolutely. What job. is it? Laguna Seca, Sebring, you said it. There Road you go. Atlanta, Road America. That's it, mate. Indianapolis. There was one where like Tom Cruise did a, did a drive in a Red Bull. Oh, yeah. That was, you... that was the one in the desert, wasn't it? That's in yeah. like, California. Oh, I don't think you could break. There's like no You can runoff. see that our American track knowledge is on point. Hey, mine's better than yours. I listed loads, right? I listed London. one. <laughs> it's like 2-1. It's like You're not that much better, are you? But yeah, I, I do think that... I, I do think a third race is coming. Obviously... You know, we've got 23 races um, next year. And Indianapolis, there you go. I literally said that. That's, no, what, that's what I do to Hayden all the time. I, it's on camera. That's what I do to Hayden all the time. He says things and I don't, I ignore him because, you know, it's Hayden. Um, but yeah, going back to America, sorry, Hayden, for the third race. Um, yeah, look, I, I, th- I think that it's going to happen. We know that 25 is the cap um, that's enforced by Formula One. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to. They're going to want to get to that cap. I said, yeah, eventually. I mentioned this early in an earlier episode. The fact that there even is a cap of mm. 25, it's not, that's where they have to get to. That's their aim. That's it's the as idea. simple as that. It's not as if like, oh yeah, we don't want to get to that. That is where they want to get to. So, but it also depends, obviously there's so much to talk about now in terms of the calendar, how compressed it is and what issues there might be uh, with so many, I think triple headers next year. Mm. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Another race in America. Again, I go back to, it needs to be justified. I wouldn't mind it, but there are so many tracks. Again, we talk about Sepang, we talk about Hockenheimer that I'd love to see back more than a new track in America. But also, I guess, uh, another question, I just want to get your opinion on this. Like, you know, the US is such a huge market, a huge Western market, and F1's never really, you know, it's never captured the US fan imagination quite like I feel like it has now. Um, But why do you think that is? I think one of the reasons is that when you look at what Formula One, outside of the fact that it's a sport, what does Formula One provide? It's probably the ultimate marketing tool, isn't it? Mm. And perhaps some of that hasn't aligned with the US. Like if you're, you know, 
the kind of technologies that that's developed out of Formula One is perhaps more suited to maybe the European or the Asian market. And maybe that's one of the facts why it just hasn't quite clicked in, in America. You've also got to talk about Indy 2005. There was always a bad taste after that. Mm. Indianapolis dropped off the calendar for, and it took about, I think it was four or five years until Cota returned. So I think they're trying to build it up and it just has never happened because I think they've obviously had like NASCAR and IndyCar. And maybe a part of that is just down to the fact that it's never been advertised as much in America in the right way. And mm. I feel like that's, again, one of the reasons. Yes, you put a race in America is one thing, but actually cultivating the fan base. And now in this era with mm. the likes of Drive to Survive, social media, and just kind of building up the drivers more in America. So Lewis has done so much work out there in terms of, you know, people in America know who Lewis Hamilton is. Mm. Do you think in the past, like, someone like Kimi Raikkonen, do you think America, mm. Americans would well, even like that Daniel Ricciardo's done, like, the talk shows over in the States. Exactly, yeah. But, but also, I, I guess part of it, Maybe for me again, we we need an American on really to know. But I think there's a, there's a couple in the office, but they're busy. Um, but in terms of, I, I think part of it as well is that the the states is is known for you know they've got their sports, they've got you know American football, basketball, um, you know hockey up in Canada, but also it's quite big in 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 the states as well. It's like sports that kind of don't necessarily have that same like global appeal. I mean, like for example, yes. football, soccer um, has only only recently, like the, the MLS is at a pretty good level now, um, but it wasn't that long ago where that, you know, the standard of football in, in, in the MLS was, and this is the world sport, global sport. That was like the only market that hadn't really embraced, you know, soccer. So I feel like there's that barrier as well because you've got so many other options. You've got, you know, you obviously got IndyCar, you've got NASCAR, you've got countless other types of motor racing because mo motor you, racing is huge in the States. That's the thing. But that, but like you said, because the country is so big, it's never been, it's the same with basketball. They call it a world championship, but it's only played in the US and one team in Canada, mm. but it's still considered a world championship. And I feel like yeah. that's also one of the, one of the problems with, with kind of the motorsport over there, obviously NASCAR and both IndyCar, they've never broken out into either Europe or mm. even, I know they do have, I remember IndyCar had some races, maybe like one in Australia, and they do have some in like South America, but it's never broken out beyond that. It's never been the global, the world championship, like Formula One is where it goes to so many different continents. Mm. And perhaps it's just a bit more of a close shop and maybe it's a bit smaller in, a, in America in terms of motorsport. They don't have that kind of massive global appeal. Yeah, I think, I think close shop is a, because again, there's nothing wrong with you know IndyCar being a US only championship, DTM being a German only championship, you know V8 supercars being Australian, whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think I think that's been a big hurdle for Formula One. But like you say, with drivers to survive, all these other factors, they are overcoming it. But I guess something that I think will make a massive difference when it happens, I feel like it's definitely a when, not if. And there are obviously huge rumours at the minute is an actual American team. Yes, I know Haas is an American team, but I don't feel Haas... You wouldn't know if you looked at their car. You wouldn't. And, and also, again, I don't think, you know, there was ever that full embracement of the Americanness that I would love to see. And obviously there's big rumours about Andretti potentially buying a stake in Sauber, which obviously yeah. buying, it, buying a stake in a current team is a much easier way and you don't have to pay the 200 million entry fee and all that, um, which, you know, has seems to be scaring a few people off but hopefully will it will convert eventually but yeah i think having a us based team or yeah a name like andretti that's such a it's synonymous with both formula 1 and over in the states as well yep. because of course uh, mario andretti 78 well, wasn't yeah 1978 world champion so it's 
Yeah, I feel like that is a really, that's definitely exciting. And I think you mentioned it with Haas. There was never that massive connection with the US. And I do feel like one of the reasons for that is because, number one, they're a much younger team. And I feel like number two, also, you know, going from obviously your Alkali, Rich Energy, there was never that kind of American sponsorship. You don't associate, obviously the owner is American and maybe more Americans know the Haas name, but we never really associated it with like Austin being a massive home race, lo loads of fanfare mm. for them. So maybe that comes more with time and with Andretti being such a big name, both in Formula One and in America, there is a much stronger connection there. Yeah, I feel like if Andretti do, you know, enter Formula One, the next time we're at Cota, like I feel, I could just, I can just imagine there being a huge like Andretti following compared to compared to us because it always felt with with Gene that it was more of like you know his personal project and less of a kind of obviously he he advertised his, his CNC company and all that on it which is obviously it, you know that's a and all these teams are owned by a kind of you know private individuals then owned by countries as such but yeah I just never felt it it really truly kind of embraced. The American side that I'd like and to even see. and even Sauber I'm going to call them Sauber because Alpha Romeo yeah, technically yeah. You know, it's the same with your alkali you know you see the Alpha but it is the Sauber team I think it was because the company that owns Sauber is Eastland Investments and Andretti yep. are looking to buy 80% of a controlling stake in mm. Eastland Investments so it's definitely it'll be an interesting one but I feel like part of the cost gap coming in as well yeah so, uh, Lawrence Stoller did a great interview on uh, his Beyond mm. the Grid uh, podcast talking about how now with the cost cap you can kind of build F1 teams to more franchises mm. and I feel like that's what you want because again and I've said this time and time again if you're coming into Formula 1 and just planning on running your team off the back of your results that's never going to go that's not going to go well because you need something outside of that so that's why the likes of McLaren have a technology arm so do Williams so do Sauber Mercedes and Alpha you know they sell cars off the back of it so what can Andretti kind of get outside of that is it just the exposure of being in Formula 1 you know what can what mm. can they sell off the back of being an F1 apart from getting good results exactly because like you say it being a good commercial entity is, is a very important thing. I, d I did a video a little while ago about if Penske joined Formula One, turns out I picked the wrong team because that I did that just before the, the news was dropped, which, you know, I'm sure the video would have banged a lot more views if I had picked Andretti, but never mind. Um, also an important point to talk about is the drivers, because of course, Formula One, you know, we're all about the teams, but I feel like when it comes to it, for, I, I feel like personally for most fans, you're more invested in the individual than you are the team. Um, obviously, there's a team like like Ferrari obviously has a cult following and teams like McLaren also have big followings as well. But I don't feel that, you know, I feel like most F1 fans are going to gravitate towards drivers more than teams. Drivers are very important. We haven't had a US um, national driver in Formula One since. I think someone called Rossi back in like 2014 had like one outing in Canada. I mean, from Russia. Yeah. Technically true. And Scott Speed as well. Yeah. It's never, that's the thing. American Scott, Scott drivers, had a, like, yeah, Scott was a lot. I think Scott Speed was the last to have a proper seat because he was like Red Bull. Yeah. I and think then we had Rossi. He did like a one-off, didn't exactly he? Exactly. A one-off. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that really counts, to be honest. It's, there's never been it. a strong kind of base for American drivers. We talk about, of course, Michael Andretti, who is the person obviously behind Andretti at the moment. He kind of had, it didn't quite go well for him at McLaren in like, I think it was 1992. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, as I said, his father, Mario, massive success, world champion with Lotus. He, he was replaced by Hakkinen, I think. In the exactly. Yeah. And obviously, we know exactly what Mika went on to do. So there's never been that rich kind of vein of American Formula One drivers, but that comes off the back of having a, an American Formula One team. And I feel yeah. like with Andretti, again, it never quite happened with Haas, but with Andretti, it's a little bit different. Obviously, uh, you know, 
there's that indie car link that we have to talk about in terms of drivers mm-hmm. potentially going because they get, of course, super license points now. And so could we get more Formula One drivers? And that would only build the excitement of Formula One in, in America. It's well, one thing to have a team. It's another thing to have an American driver. Yeah, because, again, I, I think where you've seen, you know, XF1 drivers move to IndyCar as well. Obviously, you've got Roman racing there this year for Andretti. So that's an interesting thought, you know. If Andretti, so he's going to be an Andretti next year. That's the big move that yes. he's made. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, long term, maybe you know, someone with Roman's experience in Formula One could be an asset to an Andretti Formula One team potentially. Yeah, and I feel like with Roman, you do have a good kind of Formula One asset. I don't think for a Formula One seat because they have Valtteri Bottas, great mm-hmm. driver, still plenty of years in his prime, really good solid foundation. They have that second seat that obviously, you know, is it going to be Juan Yuzhou? Could Andretti get one of their drivers in if it does happen eventually? But with Roman, you have a really good driver with so much rich experience. Mm. And whilst he can fully 100% focus on the um, on the IndyCar side, mm. maybe a bit of a test role, maybe kind of, you know, guide the team in terms of how to get them and move them forward. So... Yeah, Andretti are in a really good position. If they do, of course, and these are just rumours at the moment, if they do end up buying the team, but I would be so excited to see the Andretti name back in Formula 1. And I mean, what could... It'd be just so exciting. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I, I think for me, there are t- there are two American drivers that I would love to see. And we were talking about this be- before we started shooting yeah. in terms of the old super license point barrier. Um, Colton Herter um, has obviously been bounded around a lot. He's uh, the youngest... Uh, driver to ever win an IndyCar race. He's won. It was 18 or 19? He was 18, yeah. He was 18. Um, He's won, I think, about six, seven, eight races um, in his three years in IndyCar. Finished kind of always, you know, I think between third and and sixth uh, in the Drivers' Championship. It's a very competitive championship IndyCar. He's not racing against any mugs and he's consistently done very well. Um, Won the last kind of two races of of this season, just gone, I think. Used to race with Lando back in 2015, I think it was in like F4. Yeah. Lando won the championship. Colton came third, so pretty But you close. can see that these guys over in America, and even uh, Patricia Award, like yeah. these guys have these guys have history in single seaters in Europe. It's not just America. Like I think um, I think that's also really important because it's not just about getting an American who only has uh, experience of racing over there. Mm. These guys have proper European formula experience as well. So that's definitely, these guys are not mugs, as you said. They're proper racing drivers. IndyCar is a great series. And I feel like that transition from IndyCar to Formula One, I think would be amazing. Yeah, because I, I think there's, I think versatility is very important. You know, we've talked at length about what a shame it will be if Austri- Os- Oscar Piastri, I can't speak today, um, doesn't get a seat in Formula One because of how well he's done in F2. But at the end of the day, if he does what um, kind of Liam Lawson's done a lot this year, which is, you know, try a few different championships out, you know, when you're so young and, and having this experience both si- both sides of the pond, Logan Sargent's a good point as well because, you know, Logan didn't make the step up to F2, even though going into the final race of last year um, in Formula 3, he, he him and Oscar Piastri, um, Lungard, Porsche were all right up there fighting that was um, a great championship, by the way. Such a good championship. Went down right to Mugello as well. And he couldn't make the step up because of financial reasons, nothing to do with his ability. His ability was up there. And we talk about, oh, absolutely. I, I do wonder where Sargent would be if he had make, made the jump up to F2 and was in a, you know, because he, he, he took a Chiruz to a, to, to a win at Russia, which Chiruz is not, but by far and away, not the best car. He scored about 90% of the points for that Chiruz team. So you've got talent there. Again, super license. It, we were talking about this before because, Colton only has 32 points and you need 40 to get into Formula One. But obviously we know that last year um, the FIA were, they spoke about being prepared to, you know, if you've got 30 and you've demonstrated consistent 
top level performance because of the pandemic they would be prepared to negotiate and for me because super license looks at your last three years is that right? yeah i think three or four and I, but with the thing is with her is i feel like is maybe next year a little bit too fast maybe they could set it up in terms of him coming in because he's still 21 years old so mm. he's still super young yeah maybe 2023 is the right year he'll have enough super license points by then if he keeps up with the performances and he can have 22 as a bit of a i'm gonna go to f1 you know next year maybe a bit of training as well so i don't think it's all over you know for someone like her to get into formula one but again i'd I'll go back to, I want to see an American driver as part of Andretti in Formula 1 because mm. that's what F1 really needs. If you, want to grow, if you want to grow the sport in America, you need a hero, so, you know, someone from that side of the pond. Yeah, look, ultimately, people are going to gravitate towards drivers of, of, of their own nationality. That's not the only factor, of course, but I think, yeah, have, having a good American team, strong American driver, again, F1 are looking to expand massively. You look at the, the, the percentage of... I, I, Something yesterday, so it's like I think it's like one and a half percent of of Brits watch Formula One, and then the the percentage of of Americans is like naught point naught something percent. But the potential yeah. in that market, the potential is huge. And again, if you get Andretti coming in, you know I think Gainsbridge, who are actually the, that's the car that Colton runs. Apparently, they're part of the deal, which is why Colton rumors are so strong. Um, it could be huge for the sport because again, it's it's such an untapped you know, wealth of, of people out there. I'm sure plenty of you watching, you know, you've, you've seen how many, you know, friends have got into it, not just Americans, but I, I, I know plenty of friends of friends have watched Netflix and then because they know what I do, they ask me about it. People I never even thought would even dabble in Formula One. There's, it, it's primed and ready to go. And I feel like also just on the alpha side, how many times on these podcasts have I been like, I just don't, I just don't get the excitement about Alfa Romeo. I'm not quite sure where they're going. This would be massive. This, this would definitely kind of drive up the excitement, motivate the team even more. And I feel like it's a win-win because again, Saab obviously, I'm not quite sure where they're going at the moment. Like, are they going to improve? Obviously, Valtteri mm. Bottas is a great driver to get on board, but I just don't see that same amount of excitement in terms of like McLaren or even yeah. Williams who are behind yeah, them kind yeah. of at the moment. So I feel like with the Andretti name, a bit more motivation, that can make them a bigger force uh, going forward. Definitely. But um, let us know in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube. What do you think? Do you think we'll get, do you think an the Andretti deal will actually get done? And where should we race in the US if there's going to be a third race? Because... I'm Team Road Atlanta, but I don't even know if it's an FIA grade A1 circuit. So let us know the tracks in the comments below. Exactly. Let us know down below. Thank you to everyone who's watched on YouTube, everyone who's listened to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You should probably subscribe to the Veloce YouTube channel if you are here and drop a like on this video because it really does help us out. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next one.